Hi everyone, welcome back to Growing Pains. It's me, Brenda. What's up? I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh god, I, I've been away for so, so long. Thank you for being so patient with me. And uh, today we're back with a new episode. We're going to talk about food and cooking. And this is something that I would say is one of my passions in life, okay? I genuinely love, 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 love food. I am the kind that lives to eat. Eat to live, who is that? I think food is one of the simplest pleasures that anyone can attain. And um, it's also one of the most satisfying. I think there's something so personal and sincere about feeding someone and nourishing someone and utilizing the earth. And it's a way to connect people. It's a way to connect your culture, to share your culture and to really like celebrate living law, really. <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous, I think, for for people who are not foodies. It's my one source of comfort. You know, when everything goes to shit, at least I can look forward to lunch. <laughs> Even in school, right? Oh my god, I just cannot stop thinking about recess. Like, before recess, I'll think about recess. And then after recess, I'll think about lunch. And I'm always thinking about what I want to get. And low-key, like, I'll get very, very sad because, like, there's not enough time. And then for me now, there's not enough stomach space to like fit everything that I want to eat in because usually I want to get like two or three dishes. And not gonna lie, like I do attach like sentimental value to food. I don't know why. Maybe like, okay, like like, like restaurants and like places to eat and stuff. I don't know if you guys saw. I'm, I'm sure y'all did, okay? One of my previous videos um, for Slurp, I did like a Bugis edition and my friend Huimin introduced me to this boat noodles place it's just called noodles cafe it's a bloody hole in the ground okay it's in golden mile um and they serve the best thai boat noodles i've ever eaten in my life and um i ate it very very happily for a very long time i would always like get sad when the bowl was like dwindling down because i'm like oh my god i just love you so much i just like never wanted to end and i've never quite known heartbreak as the day that i went down and um it tasted different. Well, I thought it was an off day, you know, kind of situation. Someone else cooked it. Never mind. I'll go back. And every time I go there, I always bring new friends, right? Because I just want to share this joy. Because I don't think people have truly lived until they've tried the Thai boat noodles. From that day on, it was never the same again. Um, there was no time to say goodbye. I didn't know that they were going to change, obviously. So I was like, what's happening? Yeah, it gave me like anxiety. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's so dramatic, but it's true. I had anxiety and I had to tell my friends like, this is not it. This is not, you think this is nice? I'm like, I'll like apologize. I'll be like, hey, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, this is not the boat noodles that I'm talking about. And eventually the whole bloody place closed down. Oh. So, okay, now I think that they're at Sims Avenue. Like, they said that they moved, but I've never been back because the recipe had already changed before that and I'm like, oh my god, if you're gonna change location, I don't know, I can't place a lot of money on the bet that it'll still go back to the same original recipe. So, you know, I've had my fair share of bad dates, failed relationships, but um, the boat noodles is the one I'm gonna remember for the longest. So I don't know 
where exactly I got my obsession for food from. I think it's a very innate thing. Like either you love food and you are curious and you want to try everything or you're not curious, you know what you like, you stick to exactly what it is. And sometimes as a Capricorn, like I do do that. You know, like I know Yumi and works, right? So anytime I feel like I need a source of stability and comfort, like I go for that. And uh, yeah, I don't try new things. But now as I'm getting older, I, I do enjoy um, trying weird things. And I've always been the kind of person that hasn't been picky about my food. So growing up, I actually did cook with my mom quite a lot. Um, I just really, really enjoyed it. And I think for her, there was still a little bit of like that if you want to be a good wife, you need to know how to cook kind of thing. So I didn't mind because I think like one of my favorite times um, is like making tangyuan with her and making like dumplings because I just felt like I was accomplishing a lot and I was like helping her and, and it felt really great. Like I remember like we'd always season the meat with like soy sauce, garlic, um, sesame oil. I love the smell of sesame oil. Like, if you're looking at the video, you can tell that I'm like grinning away like an idiot just because like there's something so intoxicating about sesame oil. Ooh, turns me on. There were all these seasonings and like components to like a dish that, that would really enhance the flavor of meat and just like make it smell and taste amazing. And um, funny enough, my mom actually doesn't really season her food. She always makes sure to under-season because she was like, no, too much salt is not good for you, too much sugar is not good for you. We never had soft drinks, sodas, any kind of fizzy drinks like in the fridge ever. Like at the max, like if we were really bawling, it was like apple juice, but that's it. Yeah, so she's like very, very health conscious. And because of that, right, like when we went out, it was exciting because then I get to eat like salty food or like, you know, sugary food and stuff like that. On the other hand, my dad is is kind of like a hawker center aficionado. I don't know how he knows so many good spots. I guess like, you know, when you're just an adult and you're like out working, like you will just like find different spots and stuff. And my dad used to drive me home every day from school. So we would literally like go to a different hawker center every time and we'll order like multiple things so that we can try everything. Obviously like we'll finish everything lah. But I think it was really great to have like a, a, a balance of both my mom and my dad. Like my mom who's a bit more health conscious. Like when she's brewing soup, right? Pure bones, nothing else kind of thing. Like she doesn't add salt, she doesn't add any kind of stock. That was probably so, so good for me. But at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, that doesn't taste like anything kind of thing. And then on the other hand, like my dad is someone who is quite adventurous when it comes to food and he would introduce me to like quite a lot of dishes. And actually moving out has been another like level up in my, my journey of discovering food because here's where I know how to cook. You know, um, before this house, I was studying in the US, so I was able to have like my own kitchen and I had a fully functional oven. It really does feel different because it's all yours. You know, you don't have anyone sort of like hovering behind you or like crossing your path or like telling you you put stuff back to where they belong or if you don't know where anything is in the first place. Like, even though hey, my brothers can attest to this, like they love it when I cook in the kitchen, like when I was still living at home. My fried rice, unbelievable. Maggie me, alright, but they were just lazy to cook it. 
And I think like their favourite is like sopas that I just like learned how to cook like right before I moved out. Even my mom was impressed so I was like quite happy about that. <laughs> Learning how to cook when you have your own safe space to kind of discover food and you have the ability to stock up on just the things that you like. There's something like just quite exciting law about learning how to cook, developing your knife skills, trying out recipes. Um, when they fail, they fail. They don't quite always fail. They're still edible. You know, that's that's the beauty about food. Lah. Like even if you burn it, like you can still kind of scrape it off and eat the non-burnt parts. And when the recipes do work, you're like, oh my god, I'm a genius. So that's been really, really fun for me. And um, that also does save you quite a lot of money if you're in a place that's not Singapore, that's not like super freaking cheap to eat out. And uh, I've just been consistently cooking since. I do take breaks. You know, sometimes the cooking is the fun part, but the washing up is like what kills you. So I do get like very, very tired, especially if I'm making something like hummus. Oh God, that's like the, the blender the cuppies and then you got the blades oh nave I don't know how many times like I've cut like my fingers on it before and then there's like multiple bowls and like oh I hate washing containers the most because they're like ridgy and they're a little flimsy and then you got the little ridges on the freaking cap and I just hate it so when I get very tired of like cleaning up and you know the oil gets everywhere you know if you're frying something or whatever um, so I, then I do just like spend a whole week like tapaoing cai fan or something and it'll be fine and then I do get to try other people's food as well and then I can think about what I want to make the next time like I go to the grocery store and as an adult grocery store shopping is very exciting when you don't have to wait for your mom you don't have to wait for like whoever whatever to do whatever and you're just strolling down the aisle and you're just picking up what ever you want it is the best feeling my first grocery run was like so messy I didn't have a plan oh my god when I went to the supermarket for the first time right I spent $70 on like eight items or something it was crazy I didn't know it was gonna cost that much and I was like what the fuck did I buy and then I was looking and then I accidentally got like really expensive organic eggs um, because I just didn't see a cheaper option but turns out it's like just like on the bottom kind of thing I've learned my lesson since lah you know like I went back obviously so I, I found all that out um, I bought pre-made pasta sauce in a jar that I could have made on my own. Probably would have tasted better for $12. Um, yeah, like I just bought really random stuff with no plan in mind. And then just like, oh, stuff that I want because I was starting from like ground zero, right? And if you're on a budget, the biggest tip is to not buy like ready-made things, especially like pasta sauces, because you can make that so, so easily. So yeah, I ended up like wasting a lot of money, although those eggs were incredible. So definitely like grocery store shopping that like, does take a little bit of skill and then you also can like compare and see like, you know, what's on sale, what's not, what's in season and what's not. That's very, very important because sometimes the fruits and vegetables, like they don't look that good and then they cost a lot and you're like, what the fuck is happening? They're just not in season. So once they're in season, like blueberries, strawberries, um, even like mangoes and stuff, they can go to as cheap as like $1 per very ripe very juicy very nice mango instead of like you know paying like four or five dollars for like a really rubbish one even though Singapore doesn't have any seasons I, I do quite look forward to like the food type of seasons I just really really enjoy like the food that I have now and and the food that I'm able to prepare for myself in case you guys are curious I actually watch a lot 
of cooking shows, like food shows, I always have since I was a child. I think maybe that's how like it also like cultivated in me because it's just so exciting okay so i think like okay on netflix my favorites are obviously like chef's table but i really want to savor every episode so i'm not even like halfway through it yet i just i just love it so much that i, I cannot binge it oh god i have a hoarding problem lah i do i do i do for things that really really matter to me so i'm hoarding chef's table episodes and I also thought the final table, the, the cooking competition was pretty okay until like the end. I also love sorted food. Okay, I used to love Bon Appetit also before it went to shit. But I still love sorted food. I think I've been watching them for like nearly seven years now. And I, I still really, really enjoy them. And I think they also listen to their community, their viewers a lot. And they've always strived like to improve themselves. Like the quality of their videos, their set, their ideas, like... Oh, I just I just love sorted food so much. I think they're so wholesome and they're so great. And um, I've also been watching like a couple of other like Netflix shows. So like, uh, what what is that? Taco Chronicles. Taco Chronicles is pretty good. I also enjoyed um Salt Fat Acid Heat. Oh, is that correct or not? I don't know the. the <laughs> but Samin, like she's really really good, and I really enjoyed that series as well. So you know, if you're interested, you can check them out. And I know this will come up because now that we're talking about Netflix, right? Girls all see Spiracy. Still quite recent, like, I would say. Cowspiracy is also on Netflix, right? So I did ask myself this several times over seven, eight years, like when I was really thinking about it. Like, could I, would I ever be vegan? Like, would I ever be vegetarian? I do know a couple of people who are vegan or vegetarian and uh, I do actually like the food that they're eating. Like, I actually like vegan and vegetarian food. And like I said, I'm not picky. So I did ask myself if I was ever able to be full-time vegan, vegetarian, that sort of thing. Or even pescatarian. Like, that was what I was thinking of when I was a little younger. But um, I've come to accept that I would never. And I think it's because I never want to limit myself off from the foods that I can try. Especially when you're overseas, especially when you are reviewing food like I am a lot of the time. And especially when I enjoy it. I don't want to just say no to, to certain opportunities or you know certain like food items on the menu, even when I'm ordering them myself. I'm not just saying like when people give me free shit. I just don't want to say no, like if there's a really good piece of salmon or if there's a really good piece of steak I want to be able to eat it and I know that I will enjoy it and um, it might not be very sustainable of me and and I do admit that but I told this to my brother and his response was like quite epic he said well you're not gonna have kids anyways and that's the most sustainable thing you can do so like you're free <laughs> we can first of all diversify our choices I can still eat vegan and vegetarian food regularly and still just not consider myself vegan I just eat more of that support the businesses yeah I think sometimes it's just really hard to convince someone that like if it's just all plant-based like if there's no meat in it how could it possibly possibly taste good like I know my brothers are kind of like that so you know you just gotta prove them wrong if you choose to see eating meat as like a morally compromising thing and a very unsustainable thing then that's just like a cross that I have to bear and then I'll try to be more sustainable and um, more conscious about the things that I do like use and you know other stuff like that and so yeah I really do believe that like diversifying our choices if all of us are able to do that it's a lot better than you know having 10% of the world's population like turn strictly vegan of course like you know turning vegan is a good thing but if we are able to still 
as non-vegans support and eat vegan food and other like plant-based alternatives like it, it'll actually be like a lot more helpful lah. Listen, I could sit here and talk about food forever and trust me I have but I think it's a little bit better if we like you know bring some friends into the conversation. So in a bit I'll be joined by Chiu and Lisa. They are the founders of Cosmo, a restaurant in Singapore and they're very different. So I'll let them kind of explain what Cosmo is about and we'll also be talking about like their journey in food, how they got here, you know, running a restaurant and how like the food industry is like in Singapore like from insider's perspective, okay? It's a lot of food talk, it's quite casual and uh, I just want to say sorry about the audio because there are a little bit of like vibrations and like changes in volume because we're all sharing this one mic from three people and we're a little bit like backed away so I've tried my best to salvage it because it's like a really good conversation but yeah no I've never done like three people before and like I'm I'm, I'm just a noob lah so sorry so sorry so um, earphones and headphones I don't advise it uh, I would say just put us on speaker so you can just kind of listen to us and there are quite a lot of pictures as well like because we'll be talking about quite a lot of ingredients and um, how the restaurant is like so if you like to visualize it then you can watch this video and also noodles is super excited and he's very scuttly so you can hear like on the floors he's constantly interrupting us and he's like obsessed with chew so just bear with me okay without further ado let's meet chew and lisa joined by Lisa and Chiu. Hi guys. <laughs> so Cosmo is the restaurant that we both um, co-founded and uh, Cosmo is a restaurant based on the concept of thoughtfulness. Yeah, so um, at our restaurant, we use aesthetically filtered fruits and vegetables, mm -hmm. uh, which we get from importers and they could be oddly shaped, oddly sized, overstocked or overripe produce. What does aesthetically filtered mean? Actually, our importers are the uh, first people to uh, handle every uh, fruit and vegetable that comes into Singapore and uh, package it for the retailers and wholesalers. They come in like cartons, containers, and then they'll be packed into smaller packets. Yeah, so um, over there, they will filter it based on like what's their specification. So for example, if the packaging says like tomatoes on, on vine, vine yes. those that have already ripened and fallen off the vines will not be able to like fit in that packaging. Like. Yeah, so they will filter it. Yeah, and also sometimes you get um, bananas, you know, that are still green at the ends but a little bit yellow in the center. This is considered like overripe. Yeah, cause uh, the, the retailers uh, accept bananas that are uh, only like completely green. Like. Yeah. It makes sense like logistically, but then um that those bananas that were filtered are still like perfectly good to consume. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So that's something <laughs> that like, I didn't know. Yeah, so at Cosmo there are like main themes that we are trying to bring across. So um one is the aesthetically filtered, which is the one that we're talking about now. Like. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we also like to um, use each ingredient in its entirety. Right now we are serving a dessert on the menu that's uh it's a preserved um, lemon olive oil cake from the the peels the juice the pulp so the white part and the pith and all mm. everything goes into salt after juicing them and then it's used in um, the olive oil cake yeah. yeah i love it i had it it was damn good it's super fragrant um, yes. so it is it, it's no longer a citrus it's more like a, a perfume citrus that that is salty and then slightly savory and sweet also we like to feature um, sustainably sourced um, seafood so mm. it could be um, locally farmed actually we have a lot of like very good um, seafood farms here mm. in Singapore like you can get oysters um, soft shell crab mussels yeah we're gonna yeah. feature um, tropical lobsters farmed in Singapore so. wow yeah, so like spiny lobsters they are without claws oh yeah. so there's a lot of meat in the tail 
I see. Yeah. But we also like to um, get those uh, from uh, regional fishermen. Mm. Yeah, so right now the Spanish mackerel that we are serving, right, they are actually um, caught using this. So it's the a booboo trap. It's a booboo trap. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very so, funny name. But. It's a more gentle method as compared to you know like those um, large commercial um cages that mm. would um scrape the seabed. Mm. Yeah, so basically the fishermen they just like set up these cages like, and then they just like wait for the fish to swim inside. It's the only way that they these fishermen know how to fish because like you know, it's a very traditional method. It's a very big part of their um heritage culture and livelihood la. For um. A small restaurant like ours, like we we can adapt to what's available, la. Like since our um, concept is prime to do this, like uh, we thought, yeah, let's support these yeah. uh, fishermen, la. And actually, even for meat, right? So sometimes, like uh, our customers ask, mm -hmm. like, hey, then the the meat also filtered one, ah? Like what kind of meat you all use, ah? We try to do like underrated um, protein. Yeah, so like we really like duck heart. Uh, it's very underrated and then uh, we try to like present it in different ways in small snacks yeah. in our menu nice. uh, or like um, underrated cuts of meat you know that may not be the most like fatty or melt in your mouth but it has like, a very nice like robust meaty flavour by portioning it in a certain way then it's still very very nice was it the, yeah. the steak that I yeah. ate? Yes. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what cut was it? Uh, I think it was the chuck tender if I'm not wrong no no oh, so no, she, she had the oh, she had yeah the, the strip loin you had the oh, carbon neutral but that was this oh, another yeah. story oh, yeah so basically right. all our uh, even for our protein we try to like source those that you know like have like very interesting like top points lah. So for those of y'all like who don't know about Cosmo, like would you like to sort of describe your concept so that people can sort of imagine what Cosmo is like? Yeah. So uh, we are very small space that uh, we used to seat sixteen people, but then uh, in COVID times um we seat about um eight to ten. It's like a large communal table um that that sees a very long island, and then uh, it's an open concept kitchen, so you will be able to um see Lisa cooking, mm -hmm. plating. Yeah, and then this whole restaurant is just um, run by the two of us. So we handle everything um, from uh, reservations to social um, media communication. <laughs> so if you DM us, it's, it's us as well. Yeah, so on, on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we put up our, our content, um, <laughs> our pictures, yeah, our food prep, yeah. um, polishing the glasses, sweeping the floor, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's all us. La. Yeah, so it's a very um, lean team of two. All the guests will arrive at the same time and then we start at the same time and then we will um, serve a standard um six cup blanc yeah so mm -hmm. uh cup blanc means a uh, blank menu mm -hmm. yeah so it's something like omakase but then uh, uh we don't call it omakase because we're not japanese yeah so actually our style is modern european with asian influences yeah so uh, for us we serve a six cost cup blanc uh, and we should adapt uh, to um the ingredients available that's one of the things that i really like um thought was very unique about cosmo and i really enjoy it because a lot of times like I, I think I only think about food in that way when I watch like documentaries or when I see like okay like Michelin star restaurants where they want to celebrate each ingredient as opposed to like a lot of restaurants in Singapore where it's just like okay I want to get this noodles like okay then they'll exactly. just you know give it to you like that and you don't really think about like the process of who made your food where your food comes from and celebrating the ingredients that were used to make the dish it's a really like homely space it looks like you went into someone's like dining room though. Yeah, like, like coming to a friend's house yeah, yeah. like open concept kitchen Lisa's like doing her thing she's like preparing and cooking and then there's like books you know there's like kombucha little yeah. stations 
and there's just like you know spices and like different like sauces and I even yeah. had like a tour around the kitchen and I saw the very well organized spices and I was like this <laughs> so it's like just such a nice and like homey space and it feels very very intimate also mm-hmm. and like she does go around because she was like the hostess so she will like go around and show you okay these were the tomatoes on the vine yeah. you know I didn't know that like so much of our food is being like so heavily filtered to the mm. point that like there's so much wastage going on yeah. and then there's nothing that like consumers can do about it also because we didn't even know for countries that uh, have more agricultural um, farms uh, they produce their own food you know like a lot of these ingredients are filtered by the farmers themselves mm. all the oddly shaped uh, maybe carrots you know like those that like twist around or they have like two legs I yeah, love it yeah, I like, love like, super cute like the real the OG uggies mm. right let's call it OG uggies <laughs> like, like they are filtered um by the farmers themselves and then like um, in those countries they will have like different like uh, programs to um, utilize the, uh, they will like maybe um, go to a production to be uh, made, mass made into soups mm. you know or like uh, batch Sauces. yeah batch roasted you know to, it sounds so good yeah like, like they have their own ways of handling it for Singapore right we are more um, import um, focused um, mm. country so that's why we have a lot of like filtering based on very very like commercial uh, reasons so for example maybe the fruit or vegetable you know is too big or too long mm. um, to fit the packaging um, then then, then mm. they cannot cannot put it in right and then or uh, maybe it's not uniform enough or uh, the color is not it's not nice. You know, sometimes yeah, like eggplant like, that is like maybe like sheltered by the leaves and then like they don't become as purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We actually um um took home the not so purple eggplant and then and the purple eggplant and then we cooked it in variety of ways. Yeah. Uh, just to test the texture, the flavor. Nothing changed. Yeah, so, so they're all the same. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's only the the color that's the that's the problem. Mm. Yeah, so like based on um these specifications, these are filtered lah. Sometimes like the uh, maybe the media they will be a bit confused about. Uh, what kind of ingredients we are actually using? Yeah, okay. so sometimes uh, the the media will come in to our restaurant and ask like, "Hey, I show me your uglies," and then like, "Hey, you got uglier vegetable or not?" Not ugly. Like, like, it's, uh, like, like, like very nice. Eh? Like, like got uglier, <laughs> like uglier. Like, like, they keep wanting to shoot the ugly um vegetables yeah. that that they have in mind like, which is like what we commonly see online. That's yeah. cool. Mm. It's so interesting. Like, how did you even come about like setting up Cosmo mm. with this kind of a concept? Like, how did you find out about like the the many many steps of like filtering of food. Yeah, I was working in Maine in the US, uh, land of the lobsters. I was there for my externship. So, uh, what's that? It's it's like an internship overseas. Oh, yeah. it's like internship externship. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So I was there working in a restaurant on a farm called Primo. Uh, we grow our own vegetables, fruits, we have our own layer hands, so we have our own eggs that we harvest every day. We, we take care of pigs as well, and then from, from little piglets all the way up, uh, we try to understand our produce as much as possible. Mm. Um, if we don't grow them ourselves, we source from within a few miles around okay. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that was where I kind of grew in my appreciation for food and where it comes from, so food source. Um, and then when I came back to Singapore, I was wondering what do we take pride in here? Do we know about the stuff that we can actively or uh, easily grow in Singapore, locally farmed or even wild edibles? I was very curious about uh, what is the food system like here? Because mm. I, I can't park and play the restaurant on a mm. farm kind of concept in Singapore, right? Yeah. It's, it's just a different place altogether. But then like yeah. Chu's journey was a, a little bit different. different. I actually uh, went on a 
like a business study mission with my school. So we went to Scandinavia, which is like um, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and these are like the countries that you know are very big on sustainability. So over there, like, we really saw like many many different um systems and um different ways of doing things like, And I think like um back when I returned to Singapore, like we were just like sharing with each other, you know, mm. what we both um saw from our trips overseas. Working in the industry, um we. We sometimes we see uh, our chefs, you know, maybe when they're receiving the ingredients and then they will reject them. Uh, and then we always wondered like, where do these rejected ingredients go to? La? Like, like what happens to them? Yeah, but then like, we just like, got, like, like lazy, like, so never gonna like, find out. <laughs> but I think like, after like, we, we gone out and um, um, gotten more perspective, like it prompted us to like, really like, go and find out. Um, some answers to these questions that we always had. We actually like co-called a lot of like importers. Yeah, and then of course like not everybody like replied us like, like <laughs> but then those that those that did they were very nice and yeah. then like they actually um took us on a tour around oh. the facility. Yeah so as we went around and we were like eh this one is filtered like why why what's the yeah, like why? what's the issue? And then we we were so like shocked like to find out so like like these are actually like reasons for um, why um, this produce will never make it to your plate. Yeah, oh. and then it's actually it's uh, more of um, a logistic uh, problem because we also like really deeply empathize with the importers. The importers. Yeah, yeah, so like they are in a very difficult spot, right? Like they have to make sure that, you know, we import enough, you know, for food security, you know, and then um, yeah. They have to make sure that um like this remains profitable, you know, in a way that um like timing is everything lah. Actually, fresh fruits and vegetables they are very time sensitive, and then um so if there's like some something went wrong in like the planning or like the the ordering or the delivering or of the produce, shipment. yeah, the shipment sometimes a container of like bananas are being stuck out at sea. So like a little delay in that like container arriving in Singapore like could cause um like a mass ripening of these bananas. That's yeah, crazy. so so like a lot of factors. Uh, uh, are not really in their hands. La. Yeah, mm. and also um, the importers, they are not in a very good position um, to do um, like B2C sale. Just a heads up, B2C <laughs> means business to consumer. That's <laughs> what I didn't know, so I had to like find out. Yeah, go yeah. On. The importers cannot sell it to the end consumer directly. Right. Yeah, so because like they, they would spoil the market, you know, for their, <clears throat> um, their, their clients, which are the um, wholesalers and um, um, retailers. retailers. Yeah, so mm. it's like some of our importers, they were really like curious to <laughs> to, to, to meet us. Like they were just wondering like Who why are you like why 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 <laughs> there are these two young like Singaporeans like trying to like like find out more about this yeah. and, and like what we were gonna do with this information. Mm-hmm. Then actually and then we just like look at them and just like, oh we don't know yet. <laughs> we just like wanted to find out more. La. Yeah. So I think yeah. back then after uh, we realized it you know, we thought, hey, we want to um, sell vegetables, mm. like do like a, a similar like a logistic um, business. But then like the tricky thing about these aesthetically filtered fruits and vegetables is that like they're so like volatile. La. In Singapore F&B, basically you order uh, everything from fresh fruits and vegetables all the way to like dry goods like, you know, salt, pepper, you know, all from like, you can order them from one supplier. Mm. So it's like um, mm. people value the, the convenience. It's like more of taking everything on the checklist and submitting it, you know. Uh, I reorder, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But then to to handle um the weekly conversations like what's available this week, like what's being filtered, mm-hmm. and then like having to adjust the menu based on that, you know, that's something that not many people um can do. Mm-hmm. Like larger um like chain concepts that could really make a difference by utilizing more of these ingredients, right? They're not really actually empowered to make these decisions mm-hmm. because uh, uh they follow um. Uh, a lot of standardized recipes, mm. uh, 
everything is being approved by the executive chef or the group chef and then um, they follow the recipes uh, everything down to the plating you know um, they uh, they cannot change lah. Yeah. yeah so like how, how, how do you ask these concepts to uh, adapt to these uh, weekly volatile ingredients yeah. yeah and then on the other side it's not so easy to um, predict what's available because I mean that's the way food waste is right mm. like if you can predict it then there won't it be will any be waste, waste. Mm. yeah exactly so uh, for us we realised that this is not gonna work out. Yeah, and we also know like other um, mm. companies that are doing it. So a uh, shout out to our friends at Three Dots. Shout yeah. out to Three Dots. <laughs> yeah. So like I think like we um, also they're also from um, SMU. Yes. Yeah, and then uh, also we, since Chu is from SMU. Yeah, I'm from SMU. <laughs> yeah. So um back back then we we also spoke to them and they actually shared with us um like um what they're struggling with lah, which mm. is a lot on um you know on the demand um side. So we just realized that overall, the attraction mm. is not there, um, the awareness is not there, and um, we were really bummed. La. I think like there was this like one night we were both like sitting in the like living room like, in my house, and we just like no, both of us were thinking of the same thing. So we were thinking like, oh man, this cannot work. Yeah. Oh no, we had to go back to the drawing board. We realized that our skill sets, right, is not like logistic business. You know, mm. we, have, we we know nothing mm. about it, and for us, our skill sets is in um F and B operations. Yeah. So both Lisa and I we. Um, graduated from the Masik Body, uh, culinary and catering management. Yeah, so um, we, we 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 know like F and B We know food ops, and we thought like, hey, let's just try uh, this concept. Sorry, that slept very loud. No, it's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so we so we thought you know uh, maybe maybe we should do something like mm-hmm. like a, like a restaurant. Yeah, actually opening a restaurant is not we, we both never dreamt, of dreamt it of. Before, yeah, yeah I think really? like a lot of yeah. a lot of people think that you know we are achieving our dreams. But actually we, like we didn't set no. out to open a restaurant. It's, yeah, yeah it, just, it just it just happened to came be about that way. Because yeah. we wanted to like target this. Yeah, like, to have that creative freedom to use the ingredients. Yeah. yeah. It's more of making a point that like this this can be done, mm. you know? So we thought let's do um six causes. You know, uh, utilizing uh, a lot of these uh, ingredients, and then um, uh, we we turn into a more refined food. So that's like a more of like a, uh, like a shock value. Shock fa- factor. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like oh, like these uh, are deemed unworthy for the retailers uh, to be on the shelves at its optimal freshness. Uh, actually, it's like very very good produce. Yeah, and then uh, for us to utilize it in our concept. Mm-hmm. So back then we. Uh, did pop-ups regularly like while we were doing this pop-up thing then uh, one day we received a uh, like a, it, a call. it was a very random like text yeah. like hi uh, Lisa what are you up to these days <laughs> these days yeah and then yeah. I just told, told so that was one of the executives from Lizami so yeah. we, we become friends with him and then like he approached uh, me asking like, like what's up and then I shared with him and I was like oh this concept is very interesting so we we had an opportunity to to pitch this idea la. so That's yeah, so cool. yeah, it was it was quite it was, it was quite, so fast, quite intense. Uh, but the good thing yeah. is that because we've been doing the concept the pop up right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then we had we had a lot of things answered for our concept review. Ah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. we had good information to share with them. Yeah, yeah. And, and also I think like back then we already like thought through how we're gonna like phrase certain things, you know, like mm-hmm. how we're gonna mm-hmm. like. Uh, um, convey convey these messages back then when we were doing the pop-ups we really like saved up lah. so for all the profits that we got from like running um, the pop-ups we just like put together to, wow. to make a seed fund mm. and then from there we used it to 
um, like you know like to do R and D. We we try not to take money from our families lah. Yeah. So for us, we wanted to do this like all by ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually we uh embarked on the uh, joint venture as a restaurant that is like just run by two people. We had a lot of like tough choices to make, mm. such as like whether we want to use um disposable napkins in our place. Mm. Yeah. So for we realized that it's just like very difficult to win all battles. Yeah, like, we need to be selective. Yeah, you have to pick your yeah. battles. Yeah. So for us, uh, it's a bit difficult to do like uh like like cloth napkins, you know, to, to, to launder them. It's just like, doesn't uh, make um, economic sense for us. So we chose disposable napkins that's made by uh, recycled paper, you know, uh, SFC certified, so anti-deforestation, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Like we had to make the decisions that make the uh, most um, sense yeah. like, like to us. When we were thinking like how we want to present ourselves, you know, we wanted it to be very clear uh, from mm-hmm. the start that we are not going to market ourselves as a sustainable a restaurant. Yeah, so this is because like, you know, sustainability is a very big um word. You know, it's like the buzzword, everyone wants to be sustainable, you know, yeah. every company, you know, every restaurant. I mean just like for us it's kind of like lost the mean lost its meaning. Yeah. You yeah, don't so want to like label yourself as like like greenwashing the same way that a lot of people are doing it for exactly. like the trend. Exactly. Yeah. So for us we feel like we don't really know what this word means uh, anymore. Like. Mm. And then um even for ourselves, like we felt a bit like like, like daunted we just wanted this process to be you know like not so intimidating mm-hmm. you know like little steps uh, that we call like thoughtfulness like, yeah. uh, whatever that makes uh, the most sense uh, for you in your in your lifestyle yes. you know you can just like take these um, small changes um, yeah like it doesn't have to be a, like a very big um, overhaul yeah. In, yeah. Um, overnight like, change yeah, yeah of like what you have going on in your life yeah so that's not that's not what, what we want la. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so for us we uh, introduced all of these um, things in Cosmo so like we uh, like these um, little um, scrap pieces of wood so actually back then uh, Lisa made an electric guitar out of wood <laughs> an electric guitar yeah, yeah she can't play I, I can't no I can't play a little bit a li- uh, uh, she claims I, I've never <laughs> I've never heard anything, but she claims that she, she knows a little bit now. Yeah, yeah slowly, yeah, yeah, slowly. Yeah. But, but, she, time. but she made an electric guitar out of wood. La. So she was at the at the workshop, yeah. and then uh, over there she saw like, a lot of these like scrap pieces of wood, and then just like, yeah. why, why are these not used? And uh, so some of them, my, my friends there, they told me that um, these are considered set wood. So set wood is a part in, in a huge uh, tree trunk that is that has grains that are a little bit too complex mm. for using to make like furniture and things like that. They're not able to use it. La. But for us, we just needed a small little thing. So I asked them if they can cut it for me and then I would design it to fit our uh, cutleries. Wow. Yeah. So she hand sent everything uh, for the shop. La. It was oh, my arm ache for two days. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the one of the plates as well? Like they yeah. had like um, used, um, was it mussel oyster shells? Like mussel the mother shell, of shells. Yeah. yeah, so they have like bits of like muscle shell embedded into a resin, resin. eco resin. For us, we collected um the shells and then we collaborated with a local company and then uh, we made these like plates uh, mm. uh with the little um a uh, muscle um shell like like shards yeah. or like chips. Oh. Yeah, so it's like it's like a terrazzo style um eco mm. resin plate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So for like for these plates, um, if you like chip or break them, like you know you put um. I'll send it back to them and they would um, uh, break them apart, you know, melt them, they can cast a new plate. Mm. So these can be uh, repairable. La. But then mm. like the tricky part is to uh, make sure that there's a food safe like a glaze on it. Yeah, because like the, the eco resin can be a little bit porous. Yeah, so to, to make sure that there's no like bacteria like stuck in there. Yeah, so for us we also use um, other plates uh, you know that are um, um porcelain. Yeah, so for those um mm. you know when you fire things like 
pottery or porcelain, like they don't uh, come out the same each time, la, you know, right. like there could be a bit of a speck or maybe the glaze not even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, for our our supplier, like they took all of these plates and then they reglazed them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in a way that each plate is, is unique. La. Yeah, so we was like, wow, that's the, that's yeah. the cosmo of the plates and we really <laughs> wanted to use them in our restaurant. Yeah, so we make like little um, decisions that uh, make sense uh, for us la, as, mm -hmm. a, as a concept. Yeah, and also like uh, we use like tapau boxes, mm -hmm. you know, so like they are um, plastic containers, you know, like those that you guys will see everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or like even feel guilty uh, like about, of, using, about yeah. using. Yeah, yeah but actually I think we're here to like, like to, to tell you that it's just like, it's a very okay thing yeah. like to use disposable as in to use those plastic tapau uh, boxes. Yeah, as long as they are not single use. Uh, actually, we had a we have a friend who works with um, WWF, mm -hmm. and then so she was sharing with us that actually like these plastic containers are the next best like packaging. Uh, as compared to you know like bring your own containers. I mean that's the best. That's yeah, the that's optimal. Nice. Yeah, but if you can't, if you didn't bring your own container, and the next best to do is to actually. Um, take those plastic containers and then reuse, reuse. them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because if you if you use like those like um, paper packaging or like um um like compostable packaging, mm -hmm. you know, like you're not able to reuse them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I think like during circuit breaker we all saw like how not everybody like become bakers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so like we yeah. like we all bake like food and then uh, we cook extra like goodies and then we can put in those tapa boxes and we send it to our family and friends. So in a way it's a, it's a good way to reuse it. Yeah. So yeah. as long as you like can reuse it, you know, those compostable um, packaging, you know, once it's, it's dirty, you, you, you can't can reuse it. Yeah, you yeah. can't reuse it. You, can you only can't like, even recycle it. Yeah, you can only like throw it away. And we are not big on, on composting, la, like, like to be honest. Because we're agriculture focused country. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's like, it takes a lot of um, um, space, um, a lot of time. We, we want to be able to do composting, like, like we, we try. Like yeah. Lisa has been um, oh, trying also. I've been growing some worms. Oh, yeah, that, like, that, yeah, like worm composting. So yeah. it's very minimal, uh, if not no smell at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then it's like layers of it. Exactly. You put mm. a little bit of food and then they'll, they'll eat through it and then what comes out is good fertilizer for your plants. Nice. But it's a slower process for yeah. sure. Yeah. For a country like ours, you know, that it's not so uh, focused or big on composting. It's best to use them, the plastic containers that can be um, reused for our restaurant, you know, those containers like we, we use it to store like food bread yeah so they are they're clear they are airtight you know they are stackable you know you can actually like it's very neat you can see what's in there we do use plastic you know but minimal and not single use uh we are not zero waste like we do have food scraps as much as we like try to use the entirety of each ingredient you know there there's for sure gonna be, be some waste la. yeah so that's why we didn't want to like um like, ourselves yeah to term ourselves as a sustainable uh, restaurant because I feel like it's a it's a very big word and it's a very big thing to to commit to la. and mm, yeah. and if you if it's not like conveyed properly you know it's it's gonna Maybe, backfire yeah, yeah. misinterpreted yeah. yeah I think the expectations like when you term yourself as sustainable is a lot higher also yeah exactly. like even as an individual like let's say I'm like trying to learn more about sustainability I'm trying to be more sustainable. Mm. Then like the one time that I like take like an NTUC bag instead yeah. of like my own bag and then someone's like, oh my gosh, she's she's a hypocrite, she's yeah. a liar. Yeah. Yeah, but they become like bin liners also, okay. So it's yeah, like exactly. it's very difficult la, to yeah, like reconcile, is. you know, yeah. like you wanting to be more conscientious about like what you consume and, and what goes to waste and like 
you know, this idea of being perfect and having everything like be no ways. Like, yeah, exactly. When we hit circuit breaker, right? Wow, it was really tough really for tough. us. Yes. Yeah, first like we had to like find ways to keep the like restaurant going. You know, we need to we need to have some revenue. We were so like unprepared on the packaging part. Yeah, because the like, food supply like still coming in yes. as usual. Yeah. No change yeah. Uh, affected. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, and then we were we were just thinking like. Because our concept is not something that is uh, so easily scalable that you know, can be on your delivery platform like uh, mm. GrabFood or Foodpanda. Yeah, so we had to like look into um, other methods of retail. Like we have our um, artisanal bread um, spreads, yeah, and then a uh, bottled kombucha. Yes. Yeah, so we were doing more on that. Yeah, mm. so I think like back when um, oh, Lisa I is it. in, mm. in yeah. Maine, right? Like they source for a lot of things like locally mm. and just prompted us to think about what about us Singaporeans, you know, like what do we truly take pride in, you know, yeah. like we don't even know what grows in our land, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think like it prompted us to check out more of our local farms, yeah, so we visited a lot of them, like we mm. cold called them, like, hey, can you take us on the tour? Cute! Like yeah. we want to know more. Yeah, we want to know more. And then we would be like, like touring the, the farms and we were like plucking things to eat, like, you see, you can just call them and they'll be like, yeah, come down. Like, so oh, it depends if they're yeah. female. So oh, yeah. we have to arrange. Yeah. Some, some of the farms, they have, like, they already have tours. Cool. This farm that we really wanted to visit, but then, like, it uh, was quite hard to, to, to get through. To contact them. To contact them. But then we, we, um, came, we, we found them at another, like, a exhibition. Yeah, like a trade show. Yeah, so, so, so there, there she was, our farmer. We were like, hi. <laughs> we were like, oh, you don't that know that the farm that we Oh. So things like that. And and all these uh, native edibles, they are very nutritious as well. 
when we present the dish and then we and then we say, oh, this is uh, 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 so and so, this is uh, uh, an edible bit that you can find. Uh -huh. And then they are able to tell you the name in like English, Chinese, Malay. Oh my god! Yeah, and then, yeah. and then like, oh, and then, like and then, and then the, the table next to them, just like the younger table, just like, I've never seen this in my life. And then they yeah. start talking. Yeah, and then they will start Cute. to have little conversations, which is what we really wanted. So like, where do you see yourselves like going with Cosmo? Like what, what is your... What are you trying to do? What's your end game? Yeah, yeah so <laughs> that's, that's a tough one. Yeah, actually, we're not so sure of our end game anymore because of the pandemic. It's like, <laughs> like understandably, it's um, it's been it's been hard lah, and uh, we're not too sure like what's gonna happen. But earlier when we started out, right, it was because uh, like we were doing, we were trying to do the uh, self vegetable business, right? Yeah. Like, but it didn't work out. Uh, -huh. uh and then um for us we thought, you know, there's not enough um, traction, there's not enough awareness, and which is why we decided to, you know, have this uh, very conversational um, dining experience, mm. uh, which is why we opened um, Cosmo. So we actually hope that, you know, us as end consumers, you know, when we go into supermarket, you know, to purchase our, purchase all of these um, groceries and ingredients, we need to understand that, wow, everything out is so beautiful yes. and, and uniform, right? This is, this is not how, Unusual. like, yeah, this is not, this is not how nature works. Like nature doesn't work this way. I mean, if everything like grows to look the same, then it's quite scary, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like for like we need to understand that there's a filtering process that that goes through before yeah. that lah. And then perhaps like don't have like no bad habits like you know like don't 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 like press press the fruit <laughs> or like you know, some people like the lady finger and then like pick yeah. the next one. It's just to be more uh, conscious uh, yeah. when you. Um, do your shopping lah and then hopefully you know with a lot of the consumers calling for it you know eventually um, perhaps the retailers could like loosen their um, filtering yeah, standards, filtering yeah. standards. Yeah. yeah so like if that happens then there will be like much less waste lah <laughs> and I, I'm sure like a lot of my viewers will be like quite interested and excited to hear more so because this is the side of the food industry that we really don't get to hear about mm. and like we really often take for granted mm. yeah. don't forget to check Cosmo out I will leave all of their links down below if you're watching the video <laughs> if you're listening to the audio then it's K-A-U-S-M-O yeah S-G on, on Instagram yeah, yeah. so yeah thank you thank you so much for thank dropping you. by okay. and like you know hang 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 I don't know how to end videos bye <laughs> Alright, so that was Chiu and Lisa. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I know I did. I really enjoyed like, all of my conversations with them. It's so exciting. We did ramble on for quite a bit and I don't really have the heart to cut it out. So there's still more to come. So what I'm going to do is just put it up on YouTube as like a bonus and anyone can watch it. I've taken down the Patreon site. I think it was just like not really intuitive. And um, yeah, you can just watch it for free. In a few days time, it'll be up. So stay tuned for it. And in that Q&A, you will get to know Chiu and Lisa better as people as well. And just like, just hang out with us friends, lol. I think it's really, really fun. So yeah. Um, with that, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been fun. I'll be back hopefully sooner. Yeah, I like really want to switch up the whole like format. I, I think the intro might be a little long. I don't know if you guys like actually like me talking or if you just like skip forward. Because I know when I rewatch like the episodes and stuff, I just like skip my part. <laughs> but let me know. Let me know what you guys prefer. Let me know if you would like something a little bit more current, a little bit like shorter. Maybe we can just have like a commentary. Like, you know, we can, I don't know lah. I don't know. Let me know what you all like. And then maybe we can like figure something out. Okay, so I'll I'll see you soon. Oh, I, I can't wave. It's a podcast. Bye.